Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jules Gill, why does everybody hate PlayStation? Oh, that's not oh. fair. That's not fair to say. There was some lovely game uh, that was shown off at the, uh, the PlayStation <laughs> showcase there. I mean, it was an interesting choice, wasn't it, to open with um, the most corporate looter shooter ever. Just I Watch was, Dogs like, Resurrected. I can't even imagine what it must have been like, because obviously when we watch it, you and me, we're old men. We're cynical to the bone. <laughs> even though we say we love gaming, we always approach things we know with what they're doing. trepidation. But I can yeah. imagine sort of like the kids gathering around their tablets their screens their tvs they're waiting they see it come up and it's just it's payday too but with a really oily <laughs> corporate feel to it Ay. and the thing with the uh, the fair games logo and the s is the dollar oh, sign dude, i'm like dude, oh yeah it is the 1990s my man <laughs> I just, yeah, that whole thing. I mean, the thing is, like, when, my, when reacting to it, because it was like an hour long, I thought the amount of new IP they had, just because it just because it is raw new ideas, mm-hmm. new IP, mm-hmm. yes, you can see the influences, and especially in that one that's the Splatoon ripoff, the Square Enix that one. That's funny, that. That's, like, embarrassing is how much that is literally just let's do Splatoon for the other consoles. <laughs> I still like that we have new IP. So I was, like, I'm loving all that stuff, and I still thought it was, like, a satisfying showing overall, and I, de- I definitely, like, popped for things like Ghost Runner 2, yeah, um, or, like, um, Sword in the Sand, the next game from the Journey people, mm-hmm. like, Stuff like that, like, and Spidey looked solid enough. But then going online, it was like that the the um, the Donald Glover meme of like it's just on fire, and I'm going into the room and just being like, oh, everyone hates this. Like, where's it's, all the first party wasn't stuff? That bad was it? I mean, I don't think it was if, that bad. If we're being honest, I guess that this is another problem of the internet hyping itself up into a mm. meme hole. Basically, mm-hmm. they get this idea that it's going to be because it's the PlayStation Showcase, every single one of their wildest desires and dreams is going to come true. <laughs> we're going to have like the announcement of Final Fantasy 7 Remake Chapter 3, but this time it's just uh, Cloud and, uh, and, and Aerith kissing for about three hours. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, just, it's just that sort of thing of like, it's not going to happen, so just mm-hmm. rein in your expectations. And I think what it's we like did a- get, though, Spider-Man 2 looks amazing. You could yes. have just had that. You should have had that opening the show, to be fair. I that thought should that, be that was opener. my thing. I thought they would have opened on that, and then you would have had something like a Naughty Dog logo later on, you know, yeah, really like, you know, yeah. do the take-home thing at the end. Um, I guess that it's a, it is definitely massively disappointing if you only went in for the first party stuff and I totally get people saying it's a PlayStation showcase where were all the PlayStation devs because all we got was Insomniac and then Bungie rebooting Marathon yeah. but yeah. it's like a weird extraction shooter I do totally get that um, I had a nice enough time just watching stuff unfill and I think my expectations are just so low I definitely like the um, like before it came out I was doing like banana sandwich ridiculous predictions yeah, 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 yeah. but I always view it like you should steer into that like old E3 energy it's like it could be anything and then you just but you're still quite happy with what you get 
Um, even though, like I say, I get why people are disappointed by it. Um, but yeah, our opening in terms of the UBP, the UBP. Oh, the, it's the UBP. UBP. I forgot there. See, not it just is the UBP. just having a chat. I know, just the entire Banner podcast, which is also us having a chat. Um, I thought we'd just open on uh, talking about the PlayStation Showcase because that is the big talking point of the week and have Sony effed it and have they left in a, you know, a way for Xbox to come back around again um, because the next Direct that we have is the Xbox Showcase or whatever the hell their thing is called. Yeah. And I think it'll be funny because during the PlayStation Showcase, I didn't even say our names, Jules, but I'm Scott Taylor, but that's Jules Gill. I am indeed. Um, during the <laughs> the upcoming, um, oh sorry, during the PlayStation showcase, Xbox tweeted out you know everything that Sony was showing off as like trying to tell people, hey, these are the PlayStation franchises. Xbox just tweeted and said, yeah, they're all on Xbox. Yeah, as soon as it finished, it just said like, here are all the games that are coming to Game Pass and mm-hmm. Xbox systems, and it was like, oh, that's nearly seventy percent of them. <laughs> uh, that's an well, interesting the thing take. Is- Alongside that as well, um, I think it was either this morning, uh, as we record this on the 26th, might have been late last night, um, the Xbox account is just tweeting like, hey, you know, we have the showcase coming up and we're going to be talking about games, um, shock horror or something like that. And I was like, are you guys mm. leaning into we're going to fully embrace our first party stuff and do what Sony couldn't? And that'll be their way of trying to get back at it in the next couple of weeks. Now, this is the thing over on the Future Games uh, show. I had a chat mm-hmm. with Josh yesterday about this and it was a case of like, um, what do we think is going to appear at the Xbox showcase? Let's just call it that for ease of access. And yes. it's a lot. There's so many uh, publishers and developers that Microsoft has under their wings, but hasn't done anything with or like, like, like for example, what are Compulsion Games working on? They said that right. We Happy Few is the last thing that they put out. And the newest mm-hmm. game that they've said is it's a We Happy Few feeling game, but it isn't set in the We Happy Few universe that could be okay. a good thing are they going to do a shadow drop like they did with um hi-fi rush but the real thing is is that them instigating this idea about oh we're actually going to have games look into that with a pinch of salt because maybe <laughs> what they're really saying is it's going to be real focused on uh the game pass we're going to give you games probably but it's going to be games that maybe you weren't expecting to see it won't be like new stuff it will just be like here's a ton more xbox 360 games that are now uh, going to drop here all available mm-hmm. to play right now sort of thing we're going to push mm-hmm. the service we're going to improve well, the that service seems to be... rather than the actual game quality that we're putting out yeah, by far that is like the the Phil Spencer, the attempt, the bet that they're placing is that the monthly service thing is worth more than the individual exclusive stuff, which is interesting because that open that's what PlayStation should have capitalized on in the showcase. Is like we don't need this wider service thing. We don't necessarily care about that because we have XYZ incredible exclusives. Yeah. And then because they didn't have them, obviously a lot of people right now across this week have just been like, What the hell even what do we even have to look forward to other than Spider Man? Yeah. Where is The Last of Us? Where is Ghost of Tsushima Two? Where is Naughty Dog's next game that isn't The Last of Us because they're working on something else? Etc. Um, I'll throw in a couple of questions here because we did have a lot of people ask sure. people what their general thoughts were on the uh, the showcase. A lot of people just saying, "Yeah, pretty disappointing." Um, question from Ambulam Man who says, "While Spider Man Two looks pretty epic, I can't help but think in the back of my lizard brain that it looks mighty safe and similar to what we've already seen." Thoughts and much love from Michigan. Hello Ooh, to Michigan. Hello to Michigan. I mean, does it look the same? I mean, I guess it, that, it looks very similar. I, I mean, guess. you can't really change much if you're going for an archetype mm. of it as a 3D action brawler like it mm-hmm. is here and I guess that what did you think of that lizard bit as well just to chuck that in like there was that weird QTE like yeah. Arkham style bit like I, yeah. I'm, I'm always a bit worried whenever they put giant strong villains into video games because I have got such a 
bad relationship with uh, the Bane <laughs> fight that you had in the original Arkham Asylum game because it was just the same fight again and again yeah. and again. And uh, to be honest, every time I see like a giant muscle-bound uh, enemy, I groan internally because I'm just like, how long <laughs> until we're going to have the make him run into a wall until he dizzies That's himself or you have to hammer the button to make sure that you overcome his strength somehow. And it's like, <laughs> oh man, can we not think of other ways of doing battles with these big boys? I laughed as well at the uh, the fact that this does have quick time events in. Like, I never minded quick time events. I was never on that hate train for them. I think they can serve a purpose, but I do. they are so like of a time. Like it was late 2000s, early 2010s. And then I remember when Spidey was being first shown off before 2018 and people were like, oh my God, there's quick time events. And then this one, uh, I think it's when Miles has to open like a shutter yeah. or something and a big square just appears over it. And it's like that whole thing of like, yeah, if you're already cottoning onto, they are playing into sort of safe tropes or bankable tropes or whatever, then I guess all that stuff kind of goes in that direction where it's like you are getting more, more of what you had five years ago, um, which to some people will be a negative. But I think that maybe this isn't the game play that is going to be the risk taker here. We've already got the switching Spider-Men. That is mm. a great uh, little feature and I'm really excited to see how that's going to uh, be incorporated into boss battles into sort Same. of random events like that. Like maybe you could even have um, there will be like a, you know, you had like the Radiant Quest style stuff. What if it mm -hmm. was like, hey look, there's a, um, I've got a report of a robbery happening in your area. You switch to Miles. He mm. gets the, uh, the, the baddies done but then they start fleeing. You switch back to Peter and then take them on to like a high speed chase. Like if they sick. do that, they can really make simple gameplay segments that would otherwise feel very repetitive, fresh and exciting because you are constantly switching Battlefield 2042, whatever version that was. Well, because they, they the got out there and said... And yeah, yeah. Well, I like that was was that in Battlefield Two initially. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, but that was such well, a good I remember thinking that was so cool. It. They dropped it. I was like, why? That's yeah. like, that was a killer feature. Because that was we've talked about it before. But like Conflict Desert Storm had it oh, as well, where you could like game. set like put put a sniper in position, and then when you switch, the AI takes over, yeah. and then you sort of like multiple. You can like uh, you know use the whole team at once. Yeah, I love the idea of that stuff. And obviously they've got out there now and said it's not co-op. Um, but they've said like oh there'll be instant switching between Miles and Peter. So mm -hmm. it's like that, like you said, could set up really cool scenarios. Um, to make it feel like there are two Spider-Man characters at all times. But yeah, I mean, I, I get that it, like, it does look similar. It's still like a sequel. It's not going to be the most rebooted thing, but you do have all the like new tendril abilities, all the new sort of mm -hmm. Venom adjacent stuff that Peter has. Um, I see a fan theory doing the rounds that actually Peter Parker is Venom. And I love that idea. I think that, that, like, that would be a very smart choice because it's yeah. like, because what this series has already done is take established tropes and twist them ever so slightly. Mm. If it now does this, where it, put, it posits Peter Parker is the main bad guy at the end mm -hmm. of the story, that will be a very satisfying and painful conclusion to his tale potentially and if the symbiote if the symbiote uh, then frees itself to be, uh, to go on to create carnage or uh, anti-venom mm. and stuff like that like maybe mm -hmm. you could have some real fun with that expanding into dlcs and future sort of expansions for this game yeah, because there's one bit in the footage where uh, Miles says something like, oh, you know, uh, be a, be a, afraid, be, like, I don't know, be aware of what the enemy is or something. They've got teeth. And then Peter says, like, I do too, or something yeah, like that. And yeah, I was like, yeah. is that you teasing the idea that he has grown symbiote teeth and he's just, like, he has a bigger, wilder version of himself or something? But I like the idea of Miles taking him down. There is another thing where, um, because obviously Craven the Hunter is the sort of main focus of this uh, mm. story, there's an idea floating around that Craven will accept the symbiote as part of his 
him to become the ultimate beast. Um, then be cool. when he does, because Craven's last hunt is one of the major uh, Peter Parker story arcs, and he kills Spider Man in that. Spoiler oh, okay. alert! But then I've again, this is like from the <laughs> 1990s, so I think that okay. if you haven't read it by now, that's on you. Um, yeah, I've never read it. And he kills Spider Man, but gets so upset by the fact that he's finally taken out. Uh, wait, does he kill him? He, I think he he de- he defeats him. He resoundingly okay. defeats him. And basically, he just goes like, well, there's nothing left to hunt. So he chooses to kill himself. Right. So there's there's all of this real dark, horrible sort of mental anguish that they could really not exploit, but make into a, yeah, you a can huge into part it. of the storytelling device. Because Peter uh, Parker's journey in Spider-Man 1, watching uh, Otto Octavius fall and not being able to help him, and that battle mm. at the end where you're, he's almost fighting back the tears as he's punching his former mentor in the face, that's mm-hmm. hard stuff. Then we go to Miles Morales, his quest to find himself, his own identity within a very mm. confusing world around him, and now we've got this on top of it. It's like mm. if you can heap on the anguish, these Spider-Man games are becoming known as much as they are for their amazing fluid combat as mm-hmm. they are for their really drum-tight narratives. And I well, hope that's, that the that's thing, right? deliver. Because Josh uh, Brown, like our Josh from... Uh, I know, there's too many Joshes. Well, too many Joshes. We've got a couple of Joshes. And, like. and uh, yeah, so like Josh was saying that, um, you know, the fact that they've done like a sort of a Craven 101 thing so far, where like it is, he's, he's on another hunt, he's looking for the perfect um, mm-hmm. prey or whatever, that that does carry over. But so far, Insomniac have made the characters their own. Like the things that they did with Aunt May in the original, yeah. the way Peter is framed, like there are there are little twists on those characters. So like, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with Venom and Peter. Um, but also they need to, they need to quote unquote, do something with Craven to make him their own and not just have him be this like looking for the perfect uh, catch thing because they could like you said have him merge with Venom or have him be dedicated to the symbiote maybe he ends up killing Peter or something legitimately and then Miles has to dive in or something I do think it's important for video game developers publishers the writers of these stories to recognize that it's okay sometimes for characters to die and stay dead and if we we leave this and this is the final time that we have a chance to play as Peter 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 Mm -hmm. Um, Peaky Blinders (laughs) Peter um (laughs) We we will forever tr- cherish that moment that we had with him because his first game outing was phenomenal. And if this is how we say goodbye, then so be it, because we have Miles already as a standalone character. Yeah. Like It will force him into the limelight, and it's that beautiful thing of, can I live up to the expectations of everyone around me and my mentor? Which is so the lifeblood of the Spider-Man mythos. Exactly. Like, I am all... The thing is, like, that's the fascinating thing, is that, is this a middle installment, or like, how many of these games are they going to do? Obviously, they sell insanely well, um, but that idea of, like, you know, again, it's just a fan theory, there's no spoilers, we haven't looked into anything, <laughs> we don't know anything um, right now, but, like, that idea of this middle installment being, like, passing the baton to Miles, Peter dies because he succumbs to the rage that comes from Symbiote, so he gets killed mm-hmm. by Craven or whatever. And then the final installment is Miles reckoning with all that stuff. Yeah. Like that would be a great kind of like trilogy, I guess, but it depends if they want to do more. The only thing that they would be locking themselves out of by doing that, though, I guess, is that if they are introducing the hot swap mechanic here, then mm. people are going to be expecting it from an ev- inevitable third game. Yeah, that's true. So that's unless true. they delve into the into the multiverse, into the Spider-Verse style thing, which definitely would be an amazing amazing game and i hope that they do explore Mm. that further down the line Mm -hmm. the only way they can do that is by not killing peter so that he's alive to be involved in the future games 
Yeah, because I was curious with that whole hot swap thing. Like in the in the trailer, you have the whole fight scene, the gameplay sequence. There's a whole fight scene with Peter, and then he switches to Miles, and then continues like a st- it looks like a story mission. Yeah. Um. But in the press release, they said like, oh, it's it's near instant switching between Peter and Miles, which implies that you can do it whenever you want. And that means, therefore, that they're going to have to program AI for the other P- for the other Spider-Man to mm. be active during that. Because if you hot swap at a moment where he's doing a combo, he's going to have to physically be in the space to do it. Which means mm. potentially in a future update two-player well that's you a lot of people thought that yeah. they would be caught up anyway i'm curious because if they do it like gta 5 style where like you warp out of someone and then they go off and do their business so i like the idea of like when you walk back to peter he's in the middle of like foiling a bank robbery that or something amazing. and it's like you could do a whole thing but then if you make them if you make them like i say i control peter and i run him to where miles yes. is do they both stay together at that point like Don't do know, they separate a, yeah, to do other stuff like yeah, i like the, there's a lot of like potential here it's almost more complex and more intriguing because they have to at the minute they're making it fundamentally single player and um, by like they've literally just tweeted saying it's not going to be co-op but like not that they couldn't do that I, stuff eventually I, listen uh, you got to think about this even <laughs> though a developer says they won't do something there is always the chance that they will add it back mm. in as dlc or another way remember uh people were asking for a third person for resident evil village and that came out yeah, a year wrong. and a half after its release or so so you yeah know what i mean like eventually you may get something like that True. Oh yeah, I'm curious because for me, I love how single player and how like epically sort of like well written that first game was and the way it ends and how like emotionally charged it is and everything. So I like that we have like a really good meaty single player Spidey. Yeah. But they have potential to add more uh, to that. Um, Alpha Oliver says Alan Wake Two being an online exclusive and not available on disc means we're probably going to get mm. uh, probably going to have to talk about licensing again, uh, owning licenses again. Do you think they're right to do so to decrease the price? Keep in mind that it is less plastic, so at least that's a win. Um, I 100% agree that if you are going going to make a uh, digital only release that you should keep the cost down that like you are literally not in uh, incurring any costs for mm. production at that mm. point outside of uh, storage and online space and things like that so mm. yes it's good but not owning the license is bad and i do wonder if there's going to be another backlash um on this down the line whether people mm. will be able to garner enough support to create a pressure point on publishers to give them a serial key that will be forever good. Like you can always right, download right. that game in some form, mm. even if it's just the point one oh one uh like before patches thing. Like there is a core game file that can be downloaded mm-hmm. using this serial key and that is That's yours therefore to keep. But whether or not they'll do that, I don't know. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that 
with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. That's the thing, though, right? Because I forget there was a few games recently that are being taken offline, like just random multiplayer stuff, PvP stuff that didn't yeah. take off, and and those games just get deleted. And like obviously, right now, and I saw this morning actually, there is like um, there's like an ongoing thing from the video game preservation. I think they're called the Video Game Preservation Society, but I could forget their name. And mm-hmm. um, that are literally dedicated to making sure there is a copy of every video game available for whoever and whenever you know going forward. Which is great, and it's like be- specifically because as we move into this digital space, you can get things that can literally just be mm-hmm. deleted, and there's no way to get them again. So, like, I definitely I think the video game preservation is important. Like, obviously, you want to be able to tap into anything else. Um, I'm curious, like, what uh, Oliver says in terms of like, does that mean that we pay less for it? Does that mean that um, obviously it costs less to produce? I still think that will they'll charge full price, not because it's not because of remedy, but, but because, because we of, will pay for it, just because everyone will pay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that side of it's kind of interesting. I did see this morning though that um, T. THQ, there was someone from THQ who replied to a tweet, uh, either from the Alan Wake account or from the preservation account, saying that THQ would publish it. And the person writing that tweet, and maybe they've been deleted by now because it was very honest, right. just said um, that there is no reason to not do a physical release. And they cited one person, quote unquote. They were like, oh, just because one person at the company doesn't like physical releases doesn't mean that we all don't. And they were like, we'll back it. We'll produce this game physically right, for okay. you, which implies that someone at THQ um, Nordic or whatever didn't used to like physical releases, some boss that they were dealing with, whatever oh, it I is. See. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why, assume, I mean, it's not the THQ Nordic are publishing uh, Alan Wake, but that particular person was offering to do a publishing run, uh, a production run, a physical run for Alan Wake 2. And I guess somewhere in there is someone who didn't like a physical release. Well, I know for a fact that there are companies like Limited Run who exclusively mm. just make old games and turn them into physical um, yeah, editions yeah. or republish old cartridges and stuff like that. So maybe for them, this will be a windfall if people do decide to go digital because then mm. they'll say, look, if you do want to have a physical release, then we're going to partner up with these things and therefore the cut that they would get from the game sales there would actually be pretty decent. So I mean, you know I, what I mean? Like, like, they, they, there is another mm-hmm. market opportunity, uh, although it is quite annoying for the consumer because it's not... Uh, 
as um, easy to get both a physical and digital copy. You have to go through a third party effectively. Yeah, totally. Plus, you end up spending way more for those like one-offs. Like, I and love limited run what stuff. They will try and get, but they're expensive. Yeah, and it's like that—that that whole thing of like, yeah, doing like a limited run Alan Wake game, where, uh, like a production run with yeah. like some sort of like one-off statue or whatever it is, would obviously cost way more. And um, the thing is, as well, like the most recent statistics on digital versus physical, I think it was like eighty-two percent of all games are bought physically. Um, that might just be the UK, mm. but still, it'll be indicative of a wider pool. Um, that idea of like, okay, a, a big new AAA game only being digital, uh, only available on digital is that like the sign of the times kind of thing it's gonna this will be depend this will dictate how things go going forward well, just to give like an insight into our reviewing process like whenever mm-hmm. we get uh codes for review they're never physical discs anymore they're always not codes anymore because no. it's easier mm-hmm. for them to give them to us straight away there's no issues with shipping and especially if the package gets lost or opened and ndas get broken and stuff like that so mm-hmm. that is commonplace for us we have I, I know but i know when i come to buying any triple a game or any sort of game i will choose to buy the physical release versus the steam or uh, the code release because i want to have something to hold on to even if i have limited space to do it so Mm. if i have the money and i make a choice i'm always going to choose physical just because i want to have a thing Well, same. My thing is all with physical. It's weird because like because video game prices are so much higher and because um, there's in the UK, we have a whole chain just called game. Mm -hmm. And I think I mentioned this before, but there's a game that opened up near my house. So I actually have somewhere to go and trade stuff in again. So I've kind of been getting back into trade ins, but I only do that based on games that I think I'm not going to want to keep long term. So I get it knowing that I'm going to trade it in, but knowing that I'll try and play through it and then trade it and get something else. So the thing that I actually want to keep is like two or three steps down the line, because that's what I'll end up with once once the trade in has been done a couple of times. Um, kind of weird but yeah you've just triggered a memory am i right in thinking that you <laughs> told me a while back that you used to there was a GameStop or a game that was near you that uh-huh. had like a 24 or 72 hour window policy where you yes. could buy a brand new game trade it back in for full price and yep. you would be like well i see that as a challenge and you'd spend oh, dude. 48 hours to 72 71 hours it was it was it was the game uh, and then you basically chuck it back in and be like full price please thank honestly, you honestly it was it was a week so you always had a week to do a i think week, maybe right, they had yeah. a couple of weeks in total but i would because i was in high school um and I mean, you've got so much time to play through games. Yes, that was how I would like, you know, get because and, and full price games back then were like forty pounds. Yeah, I know, man, pounds. the glory. Days. So I would like save up and be like, okay, there's like four or five new releases that I want to get. I can use this money to get like three of them because I'll get the thing that's the least important, burn through that in a week, trade it in, get another one, burn through that, put it back. You could do that twice. Um, you could do the full price thing oh, twice. Man. So like, yeah, I would end up with that. Like, that's probably in retrospect how I managed to play so many games because that <laughs> amount of money worked for at least three things, um, which is crazy. Like that, obviously you can tell why that model went away because it wasn't remotely beneficial to the, um, the shop whatsoever. Um, and then all they had was a new game that they had to sell pre-owned because yeah. like this the seal's been broken on it and stuff like that um but that was a glory day for the people who were playing back then um <laughs> but yeah alan way 2 though overall i thought that looked absolutely phenomenal that yeah. was genuinely my game of the show like those high fidelity eyebrows my friend they are they are where it's at <laughs> terrifying hey where are you on um do you think that's max Payne? because yeah, it's james mccaffrey voicing that yeah, detective do you think is, that's yeah. max Payne? yeah I'm, I'm curious yeah it's weird isn't it because like you know when um voice actors their appearance bleeds in through their voice like i can't not see elements of yeah. Max Payne in Alan Wake and well, so it's I'm, expecting, face I'm expecting as well. him to like dive forward into the air and just be like <laughs> shooting uh, like nightmares in the face with his flashlight just flicking it on and off really quickly <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great yeah because it's like now that they've got Sam Lake's actual head like that was the back in the day it was his face for Max Payne in the first place but um, yeah everything about Alan Wake 2 just looks awesome but the fact that James McCaffrey is the voice of the head of the bureau in control and because Alan Wake was brought into control yeah. I don't know if James McCaffrey can be two characters 
is. But um, I like the idea of this like remedy shared universe that they're sort of like working towards. Um, question from Exelian of Zoon who says, why is Neon Punk such a hot aesthetic right now? A large segment of the games announced all share this similar style. That is true, isn't it? I think it's because uh, we are constantly airing into the actual dystopian future of like Blade mm. Runner and stuff like that, like with AI <laughs> taking over with all of mm-hmm. the obsessions with the sort of retro futuristic 80s that are still very much prevalent in fashion and music. It's just mm-hmm. we are where the early 80s thought that we would be at 20 That's a really good point. So I feel like mm-hmm. we're just basically reflecting the sign of the times. It's weird for me as well because, as you know, I discovered the non-big light life. And oh, so yeah. I've massively yeah, yeah, embraced ambient light, purple light, dark blues, everything else. But it's weird because now that I'm seeing it in like mass-marketed products, I'm like, oh, this usually when something is being used this much, it's about to go out of style. It's mm-hmm. about to go out of vogue or whatever. So, I, But I don't know. I mean, that's a specific lighting solutions thing. But I don't know how people light their rooms if it's not with cool, uh, there, cool colors. There was something that I was reading the other day about the concept of um, perpetual marketing, which is okay. because, so say you are a neon light salesman. Mm-hmm. You convince TikTokers, influencers to use your products in their videos, right? So they always mm-hmm. have that ambient lighting behind them. Now, those influencers, because they are using that product and are surrounding by that light uh, all the time, they then look for that in products again because that is their calm, chill space. So they look for that again in the styles of video games, clothing, right, um, okay. like marketing, whatever. So... And then because they buy more of it, they end up consuming more of it because they end up relying on the idea <laughs> that, say, these neon tube lights that you see everywhere in all of these influencer things. Which gives the company more money to give more sponsors exactly, more tubes. Exactly, yeah. And then because of the fact that uh, people watching those videos see, like, oh, say I'm looking at you, Scott, and you've got this mm-hmm. beautiful sort of, like, neon background behind you, like, with the classic sort of, like, um, neon squiggly lights and stuff like that. Yeah. Then I say, oh, I want to emulate that. I want to be cool like Scott. So I go out and buy my <laughs> own version of that and make content, uh, which then draws other people in the Da, 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 and it keeps on well, falling thing, forward like that. The thing that um, made me give up on the big light life was seeing Ash's Dead Space setup because um, she yeah. shared that out and I was like, that looks so awesome. And then that triggered a whole bunch of stuff. And then when we did the Sony showcase reaction the other day, um, I've built a whole home office with like ambient purple lights and whatever because like, I, I genuinely love the look of that. I'm yeah. a big synthwave fan and cyberpunk and everything. But still, that's, that design is kind of everywhere. Like yeah. that... That Immortals of Avium game is like full of bright purples and blues and everything else. And the thing is, is that once you start surrounding yourself with it, you start seeing it as cool. And then the games market themselves are saying, hey, look, aren't you cool? Because you've got also (laughs) the neon stuff here. And therefore we are are on the same wavelength. And then you end up buying the game or supporting it because of that. It's just Mm -hmm. like, it's not... It's not manipulating. It's just, unfortunately, we are all collectively working towards the greater goal of selling neon lights. <laughs> and looking cool. Yeah, exactly. I feel like overall, it's funny across the last 10 years because I feel like synthwave music really kicked off across like 2013, 2014. Like I've been a huge synthwave fan for like 10 years now. But I feel like at some point, there was that shift visually where like neon lights, cyberpunk aesthetic started to come in. Um, but I remember at the time when cyberpunk came out, like cyberpunk as an aesthetic isn't, hasn't really taken off. Like you have yeah. a lot of neon lighting, but you don't really have a lot of cyberpunk stories there are bits and pieces but I, because 2077 didn't land as well as it could um that didn't blow up but also there weren't that many supplementary games at the same time mm-hmm. like it didn't feel like that was the next shift visually that it maybe could have been but still the neon side of that yeah. is the one part of it that's carried forward like those kind of color palettes are the thing that have went forward rather than thematics or uh, visual styles or anything i remember um uh, when i was studying at university doing my film stuff uh, they were talking about how the themes of horror films represent the fears of societal uh, 
uh, yes. like cultures at the time. So it's like, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's that film? Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers came out in right. an intense uh, period of paranoia, of social paranoia within uh, the US. So it did mm-hmm. really well because it fed into what people were already afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, you know, like we went from the sort of desert Mad Max post-apocalyptic style um what would that even be called? Apocalyptic punk, post-apocalypse style, sure, like yeah, yeah. that sort of that sort of theme definitely changed into more cyber because as we all went online due to the mm. pandemic, it was all we now know, and it becomes mm-hmm. the new norm. So therefore, cybernetics technology becomes more infused in our day to day. Therefore, video games come to reflect what we are experiencing in the day to day. True. I mean, yeah, that's the whole, like, I'm still waiting for, like, the the really great, like, cultural, t- like, touchstone point for cyberpunk. It mm. should have been the game, but I feel like it still could be, like, one great movie, one great TV show. I feel like, um, well, Blade Severance. Runner 90, whatever, what was the sequel called? Blade Runner 20, uh, 2049? Yeah, that, that came out, and that did wonders for cyberpunk. Yeah. Because everyone was suddenly like, oh, yeah, this is a brilliant style, minimalistic cyberpunk, fantastic. That's true. I would shout out, um, there's a TV show called Severance. It's only on Apple TV, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. is an incredible, have you seen that show yet? I haven't, no, no, no. That thing's like an incredible sci-fi concept of what if you could mentally separate your brain so that when you go to work, your your brain, your other self comes alive and works for you. Amazing. And then when they when they leave the building, you come back online and you don't have to think about work, but your work self doesn't get to experience that the rest of your like life. That sounds like a Black Mirror episode. It sounds Oh, horrifying. dude, it's like, yeah, it is. It's it's so well done. And like, obviously, that whole question of like, would you separate your work self if you could? Ooh. And what would that version of you think about the real you? And would they hate you for not letting you, um, you know, letting them experience the rest of their life? Yeah. Um, there's so much to that show. It's brilliant. Um, a question from Harry Balzonia, who says, you be to the mother flipping P. Ooh. Legends, do you feel that gaming has almost peaked graphically, 60 FPS aside, and that the gaps between console generations may begin to extend, as from a technological point of view, the next leap in gaming isn't as big as it has been in the past? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because like when you look at the sheer amount of fidelity that was on display for the PlayStation Showcase, like there was mm. that uh, martial arts game that came out um, with the, uh, it was like the ancient Chinese mythology, kind of like a... Oh, it'll be um, Phantom Blades. That. That's the one, yeah. Like they, the amount of sort of like sparks that were coming off of individual hits. Mm. There were so many like uh, like moving tassels on clothing. Yeah, like it looked yeah, yeah. phenomenal. The Unreal mm. Engine definitely is proving that there is a lot more in the graphics department to give. But True. I would say that in terms of um, like art direction, that will always win out. Scott and I have championed Same. the likes of uh, Wind Waker, Akami, um, the Obra Dinn. Like it's games that, that have Easter. a real sort of like strong art design that prove that you do not need to be a graphical or technical powerhouse in order to become uh, basically main uh, like widespread in the community. Yeah. Well, the thing that I think is fascinating because there's like there's a little bit of like a war on fidelity happening at the minute because Tears of the Kingdom has blown up so much, um, proving quote unquote. I keep saying quote unquote for everything, but I am. Yeah. I mean it. If yeah, I was yeah, writing yeah, this yeah, out, yeah. I would mean like proving that you don't need graphics because Tears of the Kingdom has an incredible art style, but it doesn't run that well. True. And visually, the shadows are jagged as hell. And so, like, there are things like that where it's like, but it still works. It still very much is very satisfying to get through and everything else. So, um, I don't know. I don't know where we go. I feel like for the longest time we were just chasing Hollywood. We were chasing facial expressions. Mm-hmm and mimicking a, a, a real-life performance. I feel like we've proven we can do that with Last of Us, with Uncharted, Naughty Dog stuff. Um, even in Halo, like, you know, it's it's been done. I was going to say, shout out as well to Dead Island too. Their facial animation right. rigs on there were really impressive in some okay. areas. And like, just the way that sort of, they, there was an article that came out, I think it was Kotaku who put it out, that was like, one of the most impressive feats of Dead Island 2 is an in-game hug. And it's basically <laughs> okay. like how two characters hug, but all of the clothing doesn't like go through one another. It actually like right. moves 
moves meshes and like goes around as in realistic like uh -huh. physical textures would and i was like yeah that is actually that sort of stuff that is immersion but mm -hmm. i don't necessarily need it but i mean but i, I could watch game, a playstation though. 2 game and like yeah still be like oh i get the emotion from this scene like mm -hmm. shadow of the colossus wasn't made any better by having no, and like, also a, like, you know, that sort of like crazy fidelity on something so. yeah yeah like sort of like pouring so much fidelity into every frame to be like are you getting your money's worth yet mm. like do you see it like yeah for me it's um i feel like the tears of the kingdom i think is going to kick off a whole physics revolution where it'll be like physics-based solutions to puzzles or physics-based solutions you were to games for this like so much i know i know you were like um when uh psyops the Mindgate conspiracy you were just there, like <laughs> when will somebody make this again and you were and, 20 and, years ago and then tears of the kingdom came out and said look scott here's all the toys have fun <laughs> that's the thing i feel like um, we need to re-embrace gameplay and you the, the next leap in the, in the generation isn't necessarily visual. It's what you can do with physics. It's what you can do with gameplay. And those ideas are yet to be shown off. I think that's maybe one of the core reasons people were disappointed with the showcase um, is that they didn't see something where they said, oh my God, I can't wait to control that. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that we're, we're still waiting for. Maybe Xbox will have it. Last question from Dan, who says, do either of you have thoughts on Project Bloom, Game Freak's new IP that they've been, sorry, Game Freak's new IP that they've partnered with publisher Private Division 4? They've said that they'll be helping them to reach their full potential. So does this mean that Nintendo is holding Game Freak back. This is interesting mm. because this is the first Western Game Freak game um, after they've been doing Pokemon for like however long, 25 yeah. years yeah. or whatever it is. Um, yeah, the idea of, because um, I feel like Game Freak gets so much S, just to be like polite about it, and which is fair enough. Scarlet and Violet is an abysmally running game, especially <laughs> when it's put next to Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Um, when, you know, from the even from the business point of view, it's like, how could you guys let this go out the door looking like this when your other massive IP, Zelda, um, which sells, I mean, it sells more than Pokemon, but they're right up there. Like, I you know, know how right, yeah. are you able- It's not like the, how, uh, the company's hurting for money from Pokemon, no. like, is it? <laughs> They're just, they're so determined to stick to this this annual release model over and over again. And I feel like Game Freak get that in the neck every year, but it's not their fault. Like it's, I honestly think it's Nintendo's publishing schedule. They demand a Pokemon game every year. Um, well, and technically they, they demand obviously... two, and that again well, is just the thing, a bizarre right? way of doing things. It's just like, sometimes I just think that Game Freak would benefit from the 2K um, issue where they mm. just get a year off to just mm -hmm. rethink about how they want to make their systems actually work because we well, will this... get better games out of it if you get more time like I mean imagine having to come up with a brand new region all these Pokemon all of these things and then having to come up with okay what is our new gimmick like what is our open yeah. world aesthetic what are we going to do from this it's like god they, they just need to scale and it's like back Scarlet and I feel sometimes and just perfect what they've already got yeah, Scarlet and Violet's gimmick was like you can make sandwiches, like yeah, you can yeah, make like yeah, physics-based, yeah. and they're really good sandwiches, Jules. <laughs> but like, it's just, it's ridiculous. I I loved um, Pokemon's Legends Ar Arceus or Arceus or mm -hmm. whatever it's called, but that was weird because that was them tech demoing for the next main installment, and then however that happened behind the scenes, they just released that as another game anyway. And obviously, yeah. Arceus and didn't look great. There was like and then six Scarlet Violet was terrible between the two yeah. as well. So they, it's like, why didn't they just let them have another year from the point of Ar Arceus coming out to allow mm -hmm. them to work and and finish the next mainline installment? It was, it seemed like it was such a bungled mess like nintendo aren't exactly hurting for money at the moment so no. why the heck couldn't they just hold off for another six months the thing is as well though like the the grim reality of it is like scarlet and violet sold the best in pokemon history or something because of the so more, it's like, more people know about pokemon that's the thing yeah. I, I don't think that these metrics even make any sense <clears throat> anymore because it's a case <clears throat> of like it's the fastest selling game in zelda history of course there is there are literally more zelda <laughs> fans alive today than there were 10 years ago because that's a really good point the old fans who are still invested into it are still going to buy it and you've got mm -hmm. the brand new fans that are interested in it as well 
That thing, though, like contrasting Zelda with Pokemon, like Zelda Tears of the Kingdom last year was delayed for a full year, even though it was finished, just because they wanted a whole year to bug test it. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, like, obviously there's parts of that game, like I mentioned, the shadows are really jagged, whatever, but the vast majority of that game absolutely works and flows and it's beautiful and it's awesome. And let's face it, if the bugs were in there, it would have ruined the game because that is their one concept, which is try to break the game. And if they go, okay, (laughs) I have broken the game, they go, well bollocks okay i saw um someone did break the game by put by building a um like a cage and putting it over an npc and then flipping it so that the person's in the, the npc's oh, inside insert, yeah and the game's code could not handle oh. where they were supposed to be and the whole thing just like flew away it was great um but yeah that whole thing of like why are you not doing right by pokemon that dev has been at the forefront of so much hate for so long and i'm just guessing that it's a publisher thing because it nearly always is mm-hmm. it'll not be the coding department saying like oh we really need to rush this out the door guys they'll be the ones trying to finish it um so i think think because they've signed with um, private division maybe we finally get a game that takes all the life lessons learned from a veteran pokemon studio and does something really good with that because they have more time private division as well they are very good at coming up with original and interesting ideas um Mm. so i do hope that we end up with something that allows both parties to show their strengths while also flexing a bit of creative muscles. Because like you say, (laughs) if this impresses Big Daddy Nintendo, then maybe Mm. they'll allow them to be like, oh, okay... Yeah, all right. Well, that's the thing. Like, Nintendo gets shaken out of their um, their ruts quite a lot. Like, it was Niantic who just ran with Pokemon Go. Yeah. And then without Nintendo having any say-so apart from saying, like, sure, you can put Pikachu in it. Yeah. And then when it blew up, they were like, oh, God, oh, this is a whole thing. Oh, we should do stuff. Like, let's make Pokemon Let's Go and yeah. whatever. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll keep an eye on that uh, that stuff. It's very much at the beginning of its um, development. But for now, this has been the Entitled Panda Podcast. The UBP, the UBP. The UBP. I've been Scott Tailford. That's been Jules Gale. I have indeed. Thank you so much for listening listening and we will be back hopefully next week on the friday so look out on the thursday for the call for questions where scott or i will put out a tweet asking for all your hot gaming takes you can go follow us over on easy easy it's so beautiful jules (laughs) but i'll wait you uh, can go follow us on the social medias it's at retro j but the o is a zero for myself and for scott it is at slash lp 89 over on twitter Oh, he's frozen. He froze. I might have frozen. He froze and then came back. I said it was was beautiful. And then the whole... I thought you were just leaving a long pause to allow me enough space to do the ending. But no, he literally (laughs) froze and glitched out. Somebody's put a cage over his head. And he's gone again. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll end the show for us right now. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Jules. He's been a very, very frozen Scott. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye. You be, you be, you be, be. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.